Today we'll be talking about B Positive, Season 1, Episode 9 and 10, B Negative, Part 1 and Part 2. As I was aware because of CBS ads, this was about a group of individuals from who have been displaced from their lives because they uh, have, what, a kidney issue? Kidney renal failure? Yeah, for, I mean, basically they've been given a kidney. At least Drew has, who's played by Thomas Milditch. And then you have Annalee Ashford, who plays Gina. I think you have a mistake right there at the beginning. He hasn't gotten a kidney yet. Well, I have here in the multi-camera comedy, faced with finding a kidney donor, newly divorced dad Drew is at the end of his rope when he runs into Gina, a rough-around-the-edges woman from his past who volunteers her own. Together, they form an unlikely bond, begin a journey that will change both of their lives. Yeah, so... That's right. She volunteers it. She hasn't given it yet. So she just lives at his house right now, and I guess he's just awaiting the results of whether or not they're a match? Well, I was a little unsure because I know that this is based off of Marco Panetti, who is the creator and executive producer's uh, story, where in 2013 he needed a kidney, and he found it in his childhood friend's uh, acquaintance, basically. No, like he made this, he had this acquaintance as a childhood friend, and they decided to give him his kidney. And because of that, Thomas Milditch even said that, like, now they're just speaking nonstop. You always speak to your donor after they do something gracious like that yeah I, I assume there's a little bit of guilt in there too yeah but I, it does answer one of my questions I, I was asking is Gina his girlfriend is there a will they won't they ask well that's what I was going to ask you but at this point from what I, everything I read it didn't seem so it just seems like they kind of live together but they don't actually have which is any so romance. odd for sitcoms these days because there are sex jokes all the time and these types of types of uh, punky Brewster for mm -hmm. instance I yeah. remember like that one was filled with tinder and stuff jokes and they even mention it here like one of the characters Jerry is Trying to get the honeys, as they said, like eight <laughs> times. Yeah. So I, I was left with a few questions and also odd, like, thoughts okay, left yeah, through ahead. that I have actually for you. First of all, why was Middleditch cast as the dad? He's 38 years old. Mm -hmm. And I think that it was one of those things where he was just, uh, he was coming off the success of Silicon Valley and they decided that they wanted to get him for the role because he's a comedian. Uh, Annalie Ashford, though, is the person who's been getting praised the most. She's a Tony Award winning actress and she has been, like, basically called the saving grace of the show. The saving grace? Well, mm, okay, so we got the groups of individuals. I'm just going to go through them really quick. We go got ahead. Samantha, who's like a stuck-up young businesswoman. Anything about her? No, nothing. Okay. Um, she's kind of selfish, and she is a one-note character. Then we have Jerry Plath, who's basically Jerry from Parks and Rec. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like... It, you have Eli Russell. He's yeah, an ex-athlete. That's one, And yeah. he won the Super Bowl, apparently. He has the Super Bowl ring. Mm -hmm. uh, but he's sort of just a sports pun. Yeah, no, I, he, he's done some interviews he's on... He's a little bit of a token news. character. Yeah, that's that's kind of what people have said on their reviews. But he, he seems to really enjoy the role that he has on the show. Okay, you have Gideon, who's the nurse, and he's in almost every scene. They kind of make it so that he's part of the group Throughout as well. Throughout the two-parter? Yeah, um, you have uh, Gina that you were saying, Gina Dabrowski. She's not only Drew's friend, but and she's perky, and she's like Portia from Search Party. Right, they say rough around the edges, do you see that? They give her a backstory, or they keep on adding to her backstory of like, small criminal misdemeanors mm -hmm. and they just they have no filter with it so i think it'll just be an on-running joke that there's no way they could ever fit this amount of stuff that she could have possibly done into her life because mm -hmm. she's only like 30 years old yeah it's kind of like the brooklyn 99 jokes when they're like you guess like the old captain because he let you do whatever you want and then they just show ridiculous things like in every single episode mm -hmm. so go on and then you have short paul a reference back to middle ditch and schwartz's mm -hmm. like comedy special on netflix yeah and uh, he's playing Drew, who's the most level-headed of the bunch. But that doesn't really play to Middleditch's strength. 
Like, when you cast him, you'd think that he'd be the best. He keeps on taking these roles of, like, Richard from Silicon Valley, who's uh-huh. supposed to be down to earth. But, like, this guy, when he goes nuts, that's when he's funniest. Well, so was, they, was, do, yeah. they do give him a chance to go crazy, because in the second episode, the tenth episode of the season, um, he thinks he goes high he thinks he gets high and so then there's like hijinks and stuff. yeah because he's actually going into renal failure and he ends up doing like spongebob karaoke and talking to gnomes and <laughs> yeah that's yeah, okay. pretty funny yeah so i wanted to know what is the difference between richard and his character here and be positive because you said he can play sometimes crazy characters which is when he's at his strengths but is there any like defining difference between him there's like 10 years difference and also i think richard was more of a nerd uh as i mentioned earlier he's 38 ted danson is 73 i looked this up and their daughters in each show perspective shows are the same age why'd you look up ted danson because i'm well, no i looked at the show and i was like he's 38 and he has a 16 year old daughter ted danson's 73 like the age difference between the two dads in that is just so you're comparing mr mayor then yeah yeah I mean, like, I've seen more people be positive about this than Mr. Mayor. Uh, it's gone an 87%. It's a Chuck Lorre show, so it has a little bit more going for it. Right. And Marco Panetta, he worked with Chuck Lorre because, like I said, this thing happened in 2013 where he got his kidney and was, like, really, really grateful for it. But he didn't put pen to paper for seven years. And then after he worked on Moms, he was, like, he went to Chuck Lorre and was just like, look, I need your help making this show. And he tried to balance the drama with the comedy. I wonder who Charlie Sheen's character is based off of in two and a half men if that if like it goes with that saying that like everybody's based off a real story right so you have you have two and a half men which was successful um mm-hmm. and then you have big bang theory which chuck Lorre also worked on he's which, basically worked on a ton of cbs shows and then yeah, you have there's sh- something there's a connection to big bang theory here in the intro because the intros are catchy but they're also so displaced from what the actual show is about Oh, okay. Like, in, in what way? Like, is it is a lot Well, lighter, I'll get into or... it because I have some odd things that I, I was, again, wanting to say. The first one was, why was Middle Ditch cast? Like, the only way that they make him sort of the age that he needs to be for the show is he, he has a beard the entire time. Right, yeah. Um, but then, like, yeah, what was what up with this intro? Because it was a bunch of painted pilgrims who kind of talk like the annoying orange from YouTube mm-hmm. where they put the mouth right. in there. Yeah. And then they're doing surgery on a mummy. But it's pretty graphic for a show that's just a sitcom. But it, well, but it has the catchy song, just like Big Bang. Well, it's called Be Positive, and the reason for that is because, obviously, the blood types. And the blood types is one of the, like, having be positive blood. I think it'd be a great name for a vampire show as I well. Think it's, I think it's uh, even the heart that the person needed in Shameless that, like... Are you talking about the Butterface episode? Yeah. Okay, she didn't need a... Well, she needed a heart, but I don't think it was specific to her blood type. I think that she was just on the waiting list for one. Well, I know that the heart that she was going to get was B positive because it was, and that's the whole entire point. Oh, you it's, remember that? Yeah, it's cool. only 8% of donors have the B positive blood. 10% have just B, like, blood anyways. It's weird if you ever do, like, a blood study because I remember when I first found out that I was O negative that I I brag about that a lot because it's a universal <laughs> yeah. donor. Um, but, yeah, when you look at the different countries of origin, it's so shocking how different blood types tend to be higher rates at, in different places. Like, it seems like common sense, but I wonder if there's a country where, like, everybody's be positive. Well, I was going to say, going back to the intro, I think that the joke that they're making with the zombies is zombies don't have blood. Mm-hmm. So I think that with be positive, that's kind of what they're making fun of. But also... It could be. It's also because this episode is called Be Negative Part 1 and Part 2, yeah. right? It's definitely about depression, specifically Drew's depression, because each of them are awaiting a kidney... Jerry actually gets the call in the first scene of the ninth episode saying they've got a match for him. 
which there were problems with that logistically, but I'll get into that later. He uh, ex- obviously accepts the kidney, gets it, then his his uh, body rejects it. And that really bums out Drew. Like he thinks, oh, what if I get the kidney from Gina and it's still like it everything in my work. life. Yeah. yeah, everything in my life doesn't get fixed. So then that's what concludes his journey of like running around and, and doing crazy stuff for the rest of the episode. So with the jokes in this, is it like Tacoma FD level where it's just like craziness or is it like Utopia where they're actually pretty dark? Ne- neither, Jesus. <laughs> hey. um, yeah, so Utopia is more of a dark cynical look on humanity. Well, what was the other one you compared it to? Uh, Tacoma yeah, FD. Yeah, Tacoma FD I guess is more similar, but it's this is again a Chuck Lorre show. So the humor is downplayed and mixed with emotion a little bit mm-hmm. it's more tame right well with tacoma fd that's like uh what comedy central type humor where it's so, just constant dumb jokes and these characters aren't smart like one of my notes even highlights that like why do sitcoms have to be so dumbed down all the time big bang theory did dumb down its smart characters and make them like completely oblivious to a true. lot of things episode nine was worse than episode 10 in this regard but like none of them were highly intelligent with their decision making. Yeah, I know that the show is a five point five on IMDb, and it doesn't have that many um, reviews. Honestly, I didn't find too much wrong with the show. Like this sort of show can obviously be pretty bad sometimes. I'm not saying the characters are great. I'm not saying that the jokes aren't repetitive and somewhat forced sometimes. But it does a decent job mixing in some of the drama. This episode, the, these two episodes did have a nice plot to kind of go through and, and settle with. And then also, usually a laugh track's really annoying. I didn't even notice there was a laugh track until like 15 minutes into the sh- episode. Would you say the show is compelling in its actual story? Because it's gotten a lot of, um, I guess you could say, praise for kind of giving a story that isn't well known and reaching out to groups that haven't usually gotten a voice in TV shows. I don't know if I'd give the show credit for like, oh, it's, it's really pushing boundaries and stuff because in the end it's just literally a group of friends there there are some crazy scenarios that happen like i told you jerry gets the call for the kidney right Mm -hmm. while he's doing dialysis and that's where they're all just hooked up and getting the machine to filter out their blood for them and so the group then instead of him going directly to the hospital because i assume he's at a dialysis center but even that's a, a question later on they go out to eat now, I'm pretty sure when you're about to have invasive surgery yeah, for an organ, you're not supposed to eat anything. And also, don't they need you, like, immediately? Yeah, usually. I mean, like... It's a vital organ. <laughs> but, I, I mean, so you forgive the show for them going out to eat and celebrate first? Right. I don't think the show's too worried about its story. It's And, again, I think it's more focused on its humor, which it has gotten um, acclaim for. But then later on when they go to the hospital, right, mm-hmm. to get the transplant, the nurse who is at the dialysis center, Gideon, who we're always seen also works there and is doing the surgery was it even was though it he was unaware no, no no like he just comes out and it's like he's treated mm-hmm. as the nurse and everything and it didn't make any sense because if he works at the dialysis center then that's his job and him finding out that um jerry got the uh, kidney while he did would have it, it just didn't make sense like he had updates on jerry when he shouldn't have he shouldn't be a nurse at that hospital <laughs> <laughs> Um, so then also something that confused me about the show was that Thomas Middle District's character, Drew, seems to have an endless amount of money because like it has that friends plot pole where they live in a giant house. Right. He lives in a giant house. Gina doesn't pay rent. In episode 10, he pays for his daughter and his ex-wife to go to Iceland on a giant trip, on like Why? a life-changing trip because he's feeling bad like that he'll never be able to do these things. So he's trying to like just kind of 
splurge, mm-hmm. but they don't explain how he got rich. So part of my thing was like, is he Richard from uh, from <laughs> Silicon Valley? Valley? Yeah, he's at, this is just his it's future. Like crossover here, yeah. yeah. But then later on, Samantha, the kind of stuck up one, says, did you have money at some point? Because she saw a picture of his ex-wife mm-hmm. and she's pretty. So she was like making a joke. <laughs> but obviously he has money now. Because I don't understand. He has a giant house. It reminds me a lot of, like, the Big Bang Theory, how it seems like, although... They have just an apartment, though. Right. At least but, that's, like, that's I remember, doable. I remember there was an episode where, like, Sheldon wanted to move, and he had all this money to be able to move to a different place, and then by the end of the episode, he got robbed, but he still had enough money to go back to California. I think it's just something that happens normally with these type of TV shows, and probably It Chuck was just Lord harder shows. to excuse it when I kept on seeing different glaring pieces that said that this 38 year old single dad mm-hmm. had enough money to not have a job and just like go around and and uh i don't know and to hope have, and to have such like an expensive surgery it would seem like oh i don't think they make you pay for those if you're on the kidney waiting transplant list like it's got to go through your insurance maybe i if you have insurance yeah uh, if he has insurance. i've always said that like shows especially comedies work better with like outrageous type of things and it seems like they were able to do that for most of the characters but with a well the, you, we, 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 there was also gina's storyline where she was c- trying to quit her job at a retirement home and the one lady who was her boss norma kept on trying to guilt trip her into staying yeah makes sense i would it would <laughs> make sense well I mean, I, it was just a weird storyline that when, when, centered around the when it was this. going on was the retirement home kind of framed in like a bad light like did you no, it was like a bunch of old people, kind of like with the mom show, where you just have a bunch of people bickering and stuff. And there were the, the funny thing is, it also felt that Maddie, Drew's daughter, was like criminally underused, not because she's a great character, but she feels like she was just a tacked on character. Her and the giant dog, it felt like they were just throwing everything at this show to sort of just be like, let's put it in there, because the retirement home people had more airtime than his <laughs> daughter did. Yeah, well, I think that the like you said, it was tacked on for emotional support because otherwise, how are you supposed to really care for Thomas Milditch's character? I mean, he does an okay job, but he didn't. I don't know why they need the daughter there specifically. Also, he gets himself tased in the second episode when he's sending them off to Iceland because he tries to go through TSA to return a travel book that she left, and it's like in this day and age. You don't sympathize towards the character that's trying to get through the TSA. Like back in the day when you had uh, Meet the Fockers or something, and you had Ben um, Stiller trying to get past the airline yeah. uh, lady who didn't want to let him in, it was like, you're on his side. In this thing, it was like, yeah, it serves you right. You need to get tased. Well, yeah. it also reminds me a lot of Are We There Yet, kind of, where you're supposed to kind of be on Ice Cube's side when he's given, like, pliers to try and get through security, but they're not able to. Yeah, so they give Middle Ditch again that moment where he's getting real low and he asks Gina for drugs, and she ends up only giving him a Tylenol, but he doesn't know that, and so then he goes off, kind of, he, he just leaves the house and everybody has to go searching for him, and he picks up a gnome and starts talking to it and then starts talking to a reality, um, or sorry, a um, real estate sales lady, and they milk the jokes for all that work like they literally give thomas middleditch probably five minutes of just him talking to uh himself sort of having an existential crisis that i would compare to the it's a wonderful life movie Mm -hmm. where he's just going off on his own and feeling like really depressed and he has to talk his way out of it i think the quality might be a little a little different yeah it's it's like they gave him time to improv they're like okay thomas you've earned it here's here's your five minutes behind the camera here talk to a gnome does it seem like the like some of the lines are improv 
Because I know that with, yes. with yeah, comedy, yeah, 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 definitely. With comedy, they sometimes are like, this is where the scene needs to go. There are some very sitcom lines and very sitcom jokes, again, with the honeys and mm-hmm. stuff. Who was your favorite character? Probably Drew, but he does come across a little selfish in episode 10 because, like, Jerry just had his life changed. He just went through crazy surgery and then his creatinine levels went up and he found out that his kidney was rejected and you don't follow him at all in the last in episode 10 like in episode 9 drew gives this cool speech where he's kind of coming in there and trying to buck him up and make him happy like a monologue speech basically i mean it lasts for less than a minute i think but he says something along the lines of like setbacks making you better for for everything that's worth and it's like really uh, optimistic approach to it but then they follow drew out to the elevator and he like shows that he's really upset about oh, it is he, he, is he crying no he, he just gets mad at gina he's no. like i didn't believe a word of what i just said i know you didn't mind the show but was there any reason for it to be a two-parter like was there enough comedy or events to it's happen a two-parter because it was a 60-minute story <laughs> well i think also it might be going on break afterwards it's only supposed to be 18 episodes this season i thought there was only 10 episodes or 11 episodes this season i thought i had read that and that was what confused me because i saw nine and ten were two parts mm-hmm. and i was i was just well de- deadline said that it was supposed to be 18 episodes on top of the five episodes that they already aired okay so basically the reviews are you're if you want something to laugh at you're going to probably find something pretty funny in this show but if you're actually looking for anything great you probably could go with somewhere else does that kind of line up with what you're saying yeah but i mean if you know chuck Lorre's humor you know what you're getting into uh, I guess you can find yourself enjoying the characters for who they are because they're impossible not to like. They're all kind of safely guarded. They're not going to say anything too crazy. They're not going to do anything too, um, you know, stirring. Yeah. So you know what you get when you walk into this show. And uh, I know we say that about a lot of ones, but this was all right. The plot kept it going and even if the characters aren't as like middle ditch does an okay job i know that the promos made it look like it was somewhat going to be a spiritual show because you got some of the (laughs) jokes in it but like when you hear that he's going to need to get like a kidney replaced it comes in with like the really like christian music and the you know opera singer oh that's funny funny. i I also thought it'd be cool if they made it into a long verizon commercial (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> where he's just sitting on top of the Verizon sign and he's, <laughs> I got my new kidney. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> that that exact one. Yeah, okay. so Deadline gave it a B plus. Okay, good for Deadline. No, B B positive, B plus. Okay, yeah, no, okay. We obviously <laughs> good for get Deadline. <laughs> Uh, the next show we're doing is Pacific Rim Animated, I believe. Wait, are we done with this one? Is yeah. Everything? Gina, Gideon? I feel like we didn't talk too much about Gina's storyline because of her and the rest of the retirement crew. Um, and then there's, yeah, there was like a lot of theatrical double-take humor in this. Uh, how, I'm trying to think of how to say that it was... Oh, okay. So Gina, like some of the backstory that they gave her, just to make it kind of funny at the mm-hmm. end, he, she sells weed, right? That's her backstory. <laughs> right, yeah. uh, She's also sold fake IDs to kids. Um, she's been banned from Costco. Uh, she was once arrested for selling a vodka at a lemonade stand. <laughs> um, it, all these really small stuff that you know that someone wouldn't get serious time for but right. i think that it's flirting with eventually it's going to be some crazy stuff that she's done well like, probably and did you stick stabbed around a homeless man and gotten away with did you murder. stick around for the one-liners that they usually keep by the end did of I the show because i because oh. yeah they usually have the title card of the one-liners of like things no. that didn't make it into the episode no the ending 
funny thing was that they had security footage of how crazy Thomas Melodich had gotten, and so you end the episode with him dancing with the gnome. Like, just doing a little, that's little a, jig. That's some weird humor, but yeah. It's okay. not that weird. It's it's more more middle-ditch friendly than you would expect you know, it, Silicon Valley, actually. It reminds me of Arrested Development when Michael Sarah had his Star Wars tape and they end it with yes, you seeing yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that would be a good comparison. Um, as you said, we're going to be doing Pacific Rim Black, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that's the Guillermo del Toro uh, movie that was turned into an and anime. And then, yeah, but they had a sequel to it Did you it know that well? Guillermo del Toro is a big fan of anime? I didn't know that, no. Like, he has a ton of it. Well, he well, Studio well, Ghibli. Let's just break we'll into it right, right now. now. <laughs> okay, so the first time in 2013... I have Oh, I started doing research already, so I'm ready for it. All right. All right, we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.